Dolce Parodi I find you a good role in a tragedy <laughs> It's a me, let's go, the only words you know My heart will touch your princess's heart And you will be put apart Hello and welcome to episode 53 Three. of Q&A Quest I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... David, Rambo Master, whichever you prefer. And, yeah. And we are recording a bonus, shortish episode prior to, uh, well, I would say, well, prior to PAX West, but really it's because Destiny 2 comes out next week. Yeah, uh, we did not have thing. time to get a new set of questions because of when our last episode went up, so who knows how this will turn out. I'm capable of rambling for a very long time, if given a chance. <laughs> Wheels likes to pretend things can be short. I do. It doesn't usually happen. But it's a nice fantasy. Eh. That would do fantasy. So yeah, <sighs> um, we had some questions in the backlog. So I figured we could kind of go through some of those. Not 100% yeah. sure they they should actually still be in the backlog, but hey, if we're answering them a second time, uh, we'll probably come up with different answers, I guess. Yeah, we are <laughs> nothing if not creatures of chaos. <laughs> uh, anyway. And of course, I'll, I'll probably ramble about some things that were announced that I am itching to talk about. Hmm, what could that be? I guess you'll Whatever have to could find that out. Be. What could it possibly be? It's not one of my normal bugbears, I swear. It's actually one of my normal bugbears. <laughs> <sighs> Give the people what they want, Wheels. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought now. Are you going to launch into a question? Yes, um, I just did not have the questions ready. Oh. And I don't it's going to be one of those episodes. What on earth was the first one? Do you remember? Uh, was it the Terry one? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Something about Terry. It was uh, whether, like, why Terry seemed to be inexplicably just involved in a lot of Dragon Quest offshoots. Yes, that's right. Here, all right. I found the backlog. Let me pull it up. Why is Terry from Dragon Quest VI so popular in Japan? Uh, I saw this and I was like, I'm not sure I can speak eloquently on this, but I did have a theory that like checked past the smell test of me thinking about it for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like neither of us are, you know, that plugged into what. Japanese fandom is for Dragon Quest other than, oh man, everyone went out to, everyone skipped school to go buy it, but uh, if I were to hazard a guess it's that Dragon Quest 6 was the new one for like five years. <laughs> like Dragon Quest, like you think of like games as having protracted long development cycles now and like we kind of are used to it because game development cycles have just gotten that long organically over time. Dragon yeah. Quest Seven took five years to make as a PS1 game. A PS1 game that looked like that. <laughs> and there's a lot of stopgap games between it, like Dragon Quest Monsters, where he, uh, where Terry features prominently. Which, uh, you know, probably gave Terry sort of a 
like situation where for good and ill like he was the one who was the star of the newest one for a very long time I would imagine that has a lot to do with it really like <laughs> when Dragon Quest set, like think about like it's weird to think about that actually like the PS1 is popular from like in Japan from like 1995 to 2000 and Dragon Quest is like a late 99, 2000 game in Japan. Yeah. There's no mainline Dragon Quest in a series that before then had gotten like mainline games every year or so. Like, I'd have to double check the dates on this, but they're pretty like... But if you got to six by the end of the SNES era, you're, you're going pretty hard. Uh, yeah, for sure. Let's see, Dragon Quest four like I'll like one is eighty six, two is eighty seven, I think. Three is like eighty eight or eighty nine. Uh four is I might actually have shifted these forward a little bit. Uh yeah, four is nineteen ninety. And five is the early uh, early ni- mid ni- late 92 I should say and Dragon Quest 6 at this point uh, is the longest at that to that point by far because probably in part because they switched from being Chunsoft devel- developed to uh, Heartbeat developed but it switches fr- it's a full three years from two to three not, not two to three from five to six and then uh, there's a Dragon Quest three remake that's right at the tail end of the SNES's lifespan as the top dog of the Japanese console industry. And then uh, like nothing, nothing for very no ma- nothing that could be considered mainline until seven. Jeez, that's a that's and a long gap. <laughs> it's a really long gap, especially given the pace it had been setting. Like, Dragon Quest games come out every year or so. It is August 26th to 2000 in Japan when they get the next one. In that time, like, you get Dragon Quest Monsters? Like, you get the first one in, let's see, 1999 seems to be the consensus release date for that. <laughs> Dragon Quest Monsters... Frickin' Terry's Wonderland uh, is 1998 in Japan, more properly. So, kind of right in the middle of that gap. Terry was your only hope. <laughs> I want to play more Dragon Quest. There's no more Dragon Quest. We have not seen a new Dragon Quest in years. Dragon Quest Seven has been mired in development hell for years. We have no idea how long this is going to take. We've waited an entire console generation. Dragon Quest VII wouldn't have even looked impressive in 1996, and it looks hideous in 2000. But we've waited an entire console generation, and it's finally here. And, you know, like, to some extent, that would also be, like, the SNES is kind of the end of, I'm sure, a lot of, like... A lot of those kids who had started playing Dragon Quest I when they were, like, 10 would have been, you know, about ready to go out into the world. They probably would have played less video games. So, like... Terry might have had a special connection to some of those people just by virtue of the fact that, like, that's the last Dragon Quest I could play when I still considered myself a kid, basically. Yeah. 
Like, there's, a, there's a lot of layers to like this question, and these are just a couple of the conjectures I came up with. But like, it's one of those things where, like, presuming that he is that popular in Japan, which I don't know, I, I have no way of verifying, but that's the premise of the question. Like, yeah. those are the reasons I would assume for why. I see no reason to doubt it either. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, they remade Terry's Wonderland. <laughs> But he's also often, like, the sixth representative, the only part of six anyone seems to remember or care about. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest VI isn't very good. Um, <laughs> oh. The Heartbeat Age is the Dark Age. Um, yeah, that's right. I just slammed six and sec- seven in one fell swoop. <laughs> no, it's okay. Six isn't that great. Seven... We would probably have disagreement about, but whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, like, there's a lot of... Like, nostalgia is a funny business, and so it has a lot to do with, like, when was the last time I remembered this? Like, that's why it can't really settle in for franchises that never go away. Yeah. But it can still settle in, even... Like, I suppose it can settle in for a franchise that never goes away as long as there is a significant audience shift in it at some stage. <laughs> like, if if one audience hasn't thought about it in decades, that's why, like, there's plenty of nostalgia in my generation for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, even though they never really stopped being Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, like, oh, I it certainly hasn't been aimed at me in multiple decades. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still there. It's still there, and it's still about ninjas. Sometimes it's about dinosaurs, even. And lo and behold, uh, kids still love ninjas. Yeah, like that's that's an it's a really evergreen thing because it's like you can't really be run out of business if your if your business is in selling to children and not a specific generation of children. Yeah, and you really can't you know go out of business when your business is ninjas. Everyone loves ninjas, especially when they're turtles. Man, there have now we are on our like fourth distinct iteration of turtles next, like this year I think, maybe next year. Are they doing a new one? Yeah, they are doing a new iteration. Really? I haven't yeah. read about that. Kind of fell and that's behind not the counting any of the movies. Yeah. So they're starting I, fresh. Yeah, I'm given to understand they're starting fresh. Interesting. This is unlike the 80s series, which somehow lasted in making new episodes into 1994 to an audience of no one. Oh yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles CG animated series gets 2D reboot. What? Well, the two the CG series was awesome, so... Like, there have well, been we'll good see. parts to all series so far. There's no reason to say, like, oh, I can't stand this now. Yeah, it's true. And I have to step out for a moment. We will have a short break. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we'll see you after this message from our sponsors. Oh, heavens, I don't know who's sponsoring us. <laughs> Ooh, my little buddy sleeping like a baby. He won't mind if I take a bite of his crispity, crunchity peanut. I told you, Homer. Uh, Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger. And we're back. Uh, and we have a fine question from... You know, I don't know who either of these questions are from. Probably I'm Budai. pretty sure that they were both either they were both either Law Whoops or Budai. Yeah, that's where most of our backlog came from. <laughs> we thank you both. Yeah. Uh, so, 
question is, are there any examples of games that allow for a significant customization of characters while not having any clipping issues? I'm getting pretty tired of seeing what should be solid items getting pierced by other solid items. If you can make your shoulder pads stay on your shoulders without becoming impossibly stuck inside someone's head, then you should tone... you should... wait, I'm sorry. If you can't. If you can't, <laughs> then you should tone down the shoulder pads. Weapons are another big thing that seems to be able to ignore every other animated object. Is it a lack of effort, or more that they just don't care? You should never assume it's a lack of effort, because making games I've, is hard. I have been <laughs> trying to debug some random old open source game for weeks. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, like, there's also, there's so many layers to, like, how, like, when I saw this, I was like, I could ramble about this in five different directions for hours. So let's start with uh, one of the first parts, which was, like, uh, that if this can't uh, deal with colliding with this, then, like, you need to tone it back. The people who design, like, the people doing the art for those two things probably don't actually have a good idea of what each other is doing. Yeah. Especially not how well they how well their two particular items will fit together. Like that's a hard thing to visualize, even if you're designing all of them yourself. But like beyond that, like it's never. I feel like for very few games that you would ever consider talking about, has it ever been like a lack of effort? Because like now, like think about it this way. Let me pull up this, these, this set of notes for how I intended to ramble on this discussion. <laughs> I actually wrote something down for this. It was terrible. Okay. Uh, uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, did I actually write this? Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, people need to look at game design as less of a can't, uh, cared versus didn't care and more about triaging priorities. Mm. So, like, when you're, like, anything that you're ever making commercially, like, every second you're not releasing it, you're, like, money is going away. Like, every, like, the concept of being in operation is expensive. <laughs> Like, that's where a lot of, like, when when you see a Kickstarter that, like, asks for, like, $5 million and are like, oh, that's so much money. How did this, how did this turn out something so small? And it's like, well, because a lot of times they're also kind of setting up a studio. And when they're setting up a studio, like, they need to pay the, like, they need to pay rent and salaries and taxes and health insurance and, like, a million other invisible expenses that, like, a company that already employs people doesn't have to think about it's already figured into their budget and beyond that though like like oh there's just so much like any time that you choose to do something you're you're taking that money that time and money away from something else because the game still has to come out eventually yeah i feel like one of the one of the best ways i ever heard this put forward was tomonobu itagaki no matter how you feel about him, like very controversial sort of person, but had some very has has often expressed some very interesting, very succinct ideas about like not really ideas, but real realities of how games are made. And one of the things I remember him mentioning is the original Ninja Gaiden reboot on Xbox. He mentioned that there was a cut feature where you would be able to swap between weapons in mid 
fight, like, in mid-combo. And, like, that would have, you know, opened up a lot of possibilities for you to, like, swap to a weapon. Like, once you would hit an enemy with a weapon that would stun them for a bit, you could swap to something that took a bit more time to set up. And, you know, there's a lot of possibilities in that idea. And he said, we wanted to do that. The, the Xbox does not have enough memory for us to do that at the graphical fidelity we had. If we had more memory, I might have done it. And But then he undercuts himself after that. He says, if we had had more memory, it probably would have just gone to something else. <laughs> Like, that's, that's the thing, is that, like, those wish list ideas, like, you have to accept ideas that just, it doesn't make sense to focus on. Like, and sadly, like, that, that sort of art design, like, co- like, when you have these two disparate ideas, like, I want this character to look naturalistic and, like, not have anything about clipping, breaking the illusion that their outfit exists in physical space, and I want this character to be able to wear just about anything they can find. Those two things clash really hard. And, like, maybe you could come up with some sort of, like, programming... Like, maybe you make it so that the collision detection is, like, on a per-polygon level and the two can't phase into each other. But when you do that, like, you create a giant, like, processor overhead because suddenly, like, it has to be worried about where every... About the whereabouts of literally every polygon. (laughs) And how they... And what happens when the two come into contact? Is there physics for that? Do they just stick to each other what happens then like it's a really it's re it's one of those things where like you think i guess the way to look at it is that if you see a flaw in the game the person who spent years of their life making that game is probably pretty aware of it yes they're probably disgusted by it like they there is probably they probably remember a long discussion about whether they could actually take the time and money it would take to fix it and like evidently the, when they got done either discussing discussing with their publisher or, discuss, or looking at the timetable or like looking at what needed to be finished they came up with like this, it just isn't happening and like I feel for that like that's a really hard thing to have to do with any artistic endeavor but it's the only way that games ever finish you have to ship it yeah like eventually like you have to ship it or else like the because like that's the other thing is that like when you're given a blank check to net like, otherwise you get a Duke Nukem forever. We have as much money as we need, we will just keep making the game until I'm satisfied with it. You're never done. A game is never fit. A game is never complete. It is merely finished. Like, your development is finished. Maybe if you're lucky, you get to go back. Maybe you get to make a sequel or some DLC that allows you to address some of these issues or at least patch some of the more egregious problems that you either didn't see because there just weren't enough people to play it. I mean, you only had a testing staff of however many. They didn't catch all of it. Like, game development's hard. Yeah. And and there is always the push-pull of, like, it just, it just wasn't a high enough priority. Like, at some point it becomes, like, we can try, we can have a tester sit down and see what happens when every piece of armor collides with every other piece of armor and have someone try to come up with ways to fix all of the edge cases or send them back to the artist to remodel them or like where do we know that like how far into the production process do we notice this do we notice this when we're they're both inserted into the game and start clanging into each other or like is this something that's caught beforehand when it's like once you've got a near final model you don't want to go back and have to refix to redo that like Video games are hard, man. Yeah. And that's 
and that's why like only games with really specific limited outfits are very like ones that avoid outlandish art like you can you can work around this if you avoid extremes of art style but in doing that you're, you're just you're trading one thing for another because you're losing the ability to really go all out in like some specific direction of like how you wanted things to look like you're admitting I can't do that like the tech isn't there sorry this is me rambling a lot on a, in a very amateur fashion but no it's fine <coughs> I mean the other part to it is just simply the fact of the matter if you if you uh, do have clip if you I mean I'm sorry if you don't have clipping and like things can actually bump into each other that creates like a whole another set of issues or potential issues let me oh uh, this does remind me of one of my favorite times where there were like issues with something not with something colliding rather than clipping uh have you ever this this was a really infamous game back in the day you remember jurassic park trespasser sounds vaguely familiar so Jurassic Park Trespasser was a game that was it was a very hyped uh, PC game late 90s 98 99 something like that uh, was uh, full of bleeding edge ideas of like it was in it was entirely physics based and like there were no cross it was a first person survival shooter sort of game big big open areas there were like your guns had no crosshairs because you were supposed to aim down their sights you had complete control over your character's arm. It could move in some really strange ways, which is one of the things where you didn't realize what you were doing until you'd already implemented it, and now there's no time to fix it. But there's a... Like, you could move their arm in all sorts of strange ways because it was supposed to simulate, like, physics and, like, recoil and all this stuff, like, really complex stuff. And they ran into some issues, a lot of issues, really, with the physics system. There was one level they had to cut entirely because the physics system just didn't work well enough. But some of the other stuff was, like... They had to simplify the uh, the physics system because uh, it like the game would crater like the frame rate would crater on anything that was released at the time because it was just <laughs> too much calculation going on or like the the dinosaurs were supposed to have uh, emotions that would cause them to like act based on like am I hungry or scared or docile or angry and what they found when they when they finally started testing the game was that the dinosaurs were immediately paralyzed with indecision. <laughs> they did nothing. They would just stand there, sort of jiggling around, trying to f fight between their, like, myriad desires. And so the, the quick fix they had to do was they just... they like, like, what do we do? They're supposed to be enemies? Just set all of the anger to max. Every, every one of them has everything else dummied out, and all of their anger is set to max. <laughs> uh, but it's stuff like that. But the, the thing I was going to get to was game was supposed to be realistic you can only carry uh like one weapon in your hand and one attached to your side they found a problem though those weapons when they're attached to your side are still affected by physics if you carried a weapon like if you carried a melee weapon its power was supposed to be determined by its mass if you carried a melee weapon as you were walking forward it was physics were causing it to jiggle against your leg which meant that it would beat you to death <laughs> like as you walked forward you would take damage and eventually die because the thing that was attached to your side was hitting you because it was swaying with the physics and it had mass which meant that it was hitting you <laughs> they had to very quickly quick fix this so melee weapons didn't work at all because none of them have mass anymore the quick fix was remove all mass from them 
The game is full of those things because, like, this is what happens when you realize you have to release a product. Your game is already late. It's built on bleeding edge ideas that you don't know will work until you put them in and realize they don't. <laughs> it was a remarkable attempt. Like, Trespasser predates Half Life 2 for years, but has a lot of Half Life 2 physics puzzles in it. <laughs> but, like,. Then sometimes you get to, like, the there's a part in the opening level where they're just trying to show off physics. You crash into a f chair, and it just falls over. Like, all of its parts just, like, separate out onto the floor when you walk into it, which forces you to come to grips with the fact that that's not a chair. It's all of the parts of a chair arranged on top of each other. <laughs> uh, if you've never heard much about Jurassic Park Trespasser, there is a... Fantastic uh, let's play of it. Probably one of the best let's plays I've ever seen uh, by a guy by something awful goon named Research Indicates. Go look it up. Uh, it's a it's a fascinatingly tragic little game. <laughs> but yeah, that's like that's what happens when you try to do everything. When you try when you just try to shoot for the moon on every pr possible front, and you end up producing something that. It's full of scotch tape and half measures to try to get something that runs. Because otherwise you're just not going to have a game at the end. Yeah. And then you'll have much, much bigger complaints at the end of the day than, oh, my giant shoulder pads go through the wall. Yeah, you'll end up with the much worse problem, oh, I'm $50 million in debt. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. I am thinking of one of my... This This is a very uh, dumb anecdote, but it, it's something that's always been like, you knew what you did and you didn't fix it. Uh, so, have you ever... There was a Dreamcast game based off of a uh, popular, popular cult uh, manga slash anime Berserk uh, that was released in America as sort of the Berserk Guts' Rage. And that game, it, it's sort of a proto-Devil May Cry sort of action game. But the thing that makes it funny is if you've ever seen any part of Berserk, you know that the game's primary protagonist, the series' primary protagonist, Guts, is, like, his trademark is his sword that is gigantic by anime standards. <laughs> like, absolutely ridiculous, like, it's like wielding the mast of a ship. Like... Well then. <laughs> gigantic. So, the game is full of walls. That the sword is going to inevitably crash into, and it will strike against the wall, and like you will probably not hit the enemy you were aiming for because it'll hit the wall first. You know what's really fun is that the game has a super mode, like you know, sort of like Devil Trigger and Devil May Cry. The super mode does some normal things. You do a bit more damage. You regenerate health, but it does its most important feature is that it makes it so that your sword clips through walls. <laughs> they knew what they'd done. They knew That's amazing. That, the, that the areas they had designed were so impossible to swing the sword that is the main character's like primary, like, this is one of the most iconic things in the series, here's the big dumb sword. They knew that it was impossible to use, so they had to give you <laughs> the feature in the super mode oh that it God. would make it possible to use. That <laughs> I love that. It's so dumb, but it's what happens when you don't know what, when you don't see the end from the beginning. And there's a little bit of this in every game. Like, 
The only difference is how well did you like how well did the rest of the whole convince you that the game was norm that nothing was amiss. And like clipping issues are something that's really obvious, but mm-hmm. like a lot of times it's just like I remember one of the things where I, one of the most obvious bits of cut content I've ever seen in a game is uh, do you remember Jade Empire on the Xbox and PC? Yes, I think it's available on phones now. I really, think, yeah, like yeah, it, like it's one of Bioware's like less remembered RPGs. There's some, uh, it maybe was a little bit more stereotypical than would be necessary, but uh, like I, I like the I like the setting for being different. Like you don't really see like a sort of, like, wuxia-inspired RPG very often. But there is a there is a giant gate in the second town in the game, and if you go up to it, it just says, this gate will never open. <laughs> and all I can think is that, like, there was probably something that it did at some point, and, like, at some point in the game, they just had to cut it, but it was still, like, it was such a large piece of architecture that what else were you going to put there? You were just going to leave the gate. And then, like, well, testers are going to wonder what's behind it. Well, you're just going to have to tell them nothing. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's super distracting and super weird. But, like, you also have to understand that at some point they just ran into, well, there's nothing we can put here. There's nothing to put here. We, we have not budgeted time or money to put stuff here. <sighs> I wish there had been a Jade Empire, too. Would have been nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you got any more for that? I've been rambling for a long time. And <coughs> no, I think we covered it pretty well. Game development is hard, and I think really the point to hammer home is it has to ship. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's nice to have all these pie-in-the-sky ideas of, oh, you know, I want all my cut cu- content in there, no bugs. No nothing, yeah. and it, it just doesn't work that way. At some point, you have to get the game in the store or, you know, on Steam or PSN or wherever you're selling it. it. Yeah, so, it has to release. Yeah. Like, people have to be able to give you money for it. And I don't think people realize how important that is. Like, yeah. delays hurt. I know I've preached in the past about, you know, delays can often be good, and sometimes they are, and sometimes they're disastrous. Yeah, you know, it gets very important to release a game. But I, I guess the other thing I would say is that, like, unless you want to have all those stopgaps that I keep mentioning, like these things that are, you know, places where it becomes very obvious, content goes here. Uh, <laughs> you have to be able to, you have to make those hard decisions before it seems like they, they'll break the project. Like, you have to make them when you can see that there may be problems and decide whether those problems are worth surmounting. Because mm. it's like, otherwise you end up with, like, the game's already to have stuff here, there's nothing here, we have to put, we have to, like, find some way to disallow going there. Or disallow using this, or, you know, everything that, you know, makes that, like, all that stuff that you just can't do anymore because it's not there. So it's like, it's super hard. Like, I can't even imagine the kind of pressure being a director would be on that. Because it's just like, you have to, you have to tell, you have to be the one that says no before the, before it, like, 
the fact that you can't do this breaks your project. Like, being in a position of power there is going to hurt, because, like, if you're the one directing the project, no one wants it to be better than you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's like I guess I guess it's just my long like sympathy for like think about how hard that position actually is. Like you know, like just the realities of game development are just harder than any of us like any of us outside that industry can really imagine. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the end of my ramble. <laughs> yeah. Video games are tough. That they are. That they are. In conclusion, I still don't know how we have received any Legend of Hero games. Yeah. Oh, the, the time it must take to, like... I mean, like, cha- Trails in the Sky second chapter nearly killed a man, so... Yeah. Like, two million kanji, that's... It's a small, it's a modest-sized undertaking. Like, let's see how like two million words. Like not all kanji, not all kanji are going to be one. Like are going to be a word per. But like a lot of times, the kanji is going to register as essentially a word. <laughs> I when I click when I googled two million words, it immediately took me to list of longest novels on Wikipedia. This is a list of the longest novels, over 500,000 words published, through a mainstream publisher. How many are there? Uh, Okay, so I'm looking at Men of Goodwill is on this list. It's 8,000 pages, and it's a little over 2 million words. (laughs) Like, it's, yeah, here's some, like, Infinite Jest. Like, a lot of these that, like, are infamously, like, absurdly long. Les Miserables, Atlas Shrugged, uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, when translated to, as much as has been translated to English, about 2,340 pages, is 800,000 words. <laughs> so, a good deal less than... <laughs> the Trails in the Sky. Yeah. Bearing in mind the Trails in the Sky first chapter is a modest only around a million. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's it's baffling that video games ever come out. <laughs> oh, bless them. I'm reminded of uh, Howard Scott Warshaw, the programmer of E.T. and a number of other uh, popular, at the time, Atari games mentioned that he was proud of E.T. Not because he thought it was a terribly good game. He didn't think it was as bad as its reputation, which, frankly, nothing could be. But uh, he was proud of it because it was it was as fast as anyone at Atari had ever made a game. It was made in five weeks. And, like, imagine having to... Like, if you've ever read anything about how Atari games had to be programmed, like, even setting aside the fact that they would all be in assembly, which is just a nightmare... But also, just like that, like imagine, like like 
the way that the the, the insane way that story <laughs> memory is shared with every other part of memory on the twenty six hundred. <laughs> like doing an int- like game is di- concepted, uh, art done, programmed, tested, sent for sent for duplication in five weeks. Jesus. Like, even though the ulti- the ensuing game wasn't very good. You know what? Still mad props. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And you know what? He also made Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is one of the most complex Atari 2600 games ever. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember that thing. It's a super like it's a super innovative game for the time. You should look it up at some point. I'll have to but, do that. Yeah. Video like mad respect for just game developers in general. Seriously. Incredibly hard job, and no matter what, like you, you can never feel the, like, as with any decision that's like essentially entirely creative, you can never sit back and feel like, yes, I can definitively say that I made the right decision, and ugh, that would just gnaw at me. <sighs> Video games. Let's talk about good video games. What have you been playing, Wheels? Monster Hunter Triple X. Please stop talking about your weird saucy manga. <laughs> okay, so it's only two X's. Okay, so it's merely alcoholic. Yes. So I just picked up the Switch version, and after a uh, locking myself out of the save transfer system, I started a fresh save on the Switch version. Instead of maybe maybe, maybe give some hints at people that may uh, attempt to follow in your trailblazing footsteps. So, um, to do to set up the whole transfer system, you you only have to do this thing once. You you download mm-hmm. the transfer app on your 3DS, obviously your Japanese 3DS. You run that yeah. and you connect and you get a password. So then you put the password into the Switch version, and then that establishes the connection. So then you have to go back back to the 3DS version, launch it, and pick a different option, which then lets you select the type of save data to up, whether you're uploading save data, receiving save data, and whether you're sending save data from Monster Hunter X or Monster Hunter Double X. Well, it's actually Cross or Double Cross, if you want to be Yeah, technical. it's probably Double Cross. Yeah. Uh, so, if you're trying to do this in a foreign language and aren't really sure what the the F you're doing, um, you may accidentally dis- delete the connection after it's been established because you think, well, how do I actually upload the save? What's going on here? And if you happen to do that five times, you can no longer get a new password for your 3DS. I can no longer set up a new connection whatsoever. And as far as I can tell, looking at... I've actually been, like, trolling around the support page on Capcom Japan. Uh, you're screwed. Like, no way to reset it. Game over. Yeah, I can't seem to find any information about contacting them to get it reset, a manual way to reset it, whether it times... It resets after a certain amount of time. It just. I'm just seems imagining like you're you sending. I'm just imagining you sending their Capcom Japan support a badly Google translated oh, like yeah, email uh, saying, "Please reset my 3ds." It's it's not good. But I mean, I really want to get it to work because it, 
you know, the thing that made Monster Hunter 3, 3 Ultimate, rather, uh, so great for me was I could play it on the Wii U at home, on the TV. It was easier to do multiplayer that way. Then I could transfer my save to the 3DS and play that on the go, and that's when I'd usually do, like, offline mission... <coughs> sorry, not offline single-player missions and stuff like that. And it was great, and I was ready to do that for this game, too. Since once you have that connection established, you can move your save as much as you want. It's just a restriction on the number of times you can actually make that, like, link. Which... <laughs> I, I could understand, but it seems like their server should have some way of saying, hey, you you made all these links, but you never actually uploaded save data, so we probably shouldn't be locking you out. That'd be nice, yeah. but... It's insanely frustrating. Uh, so, at, at the moment, it looks like my only recourse is, thankfully, what I planned on doing eventually was upgrading my old Japanese 3DS to a new 3DS on, and then either with a new Nintendo Network ID if that's what it's gonna if that's what it's like uh, ultimately gonna take yeah or like a new 3DS itself like I don't know I don't know like how it figures if, it, if this is like a lock on the specific net, network ID because I've you know deleted the app and redownloaded it that doesn't work uh, or if it's like looks at your the MAC address of your 3DS or something, I have no idea. But it's really annoying. So yeah, if you're going to import and you want to do that, be careful. There are plenty of guides out now that will carefully walk you through the menus. So <laughs> Wheels was that. destroyed by being an early adopter. <laughs> And I did look at a guy, but I did like the glance this once over and get the general idea instead of <coughs> carefully follow it step by step. Yeah. So yeah, that sucks. But the game is awesome on Switch, so there's that. It's right at home on the system. Yeah. Hopefully, it gets released here. That'd be fun. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> I don't really care at this point. <laughs> But for, <laughs> I care for others. You should care for the sake of the world. Yes. Oh yeah, that reminds me. I was looking up. Uh, like, there's a claim running around that Monster Hunter World runs an MT framework and not Pantaray or RE Engine. Huh. Which is weird because, like, I believe Capcom implied they would be essentially deprecating that engine. For some reason, but... I thought it was running in Unreal, but. <laughs> yeah, that might also be the case. It's hard to like. It's hard to get good information on what engine a game that is not yet released is running in. Yeah. Usually, you figure it out by what logos play at the beginning or in the credits. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea why I. My brain is thinking it runs in Unreal. I might be thinking of something else. It's possible that it does. We don't know. Like, I, I guess part of the reason is because it, <coughs> it was meant for Western audiences, and a yeah. lot of games meant for Western audiences end up running in Unreal. I've heard the new trailers for that look good. I haven't really looked at them. I've looked at some of them. It looks it looks very nice. Nice. Should be good. Enjoy in the enjoy this coming February. Yes, I will be playing the hell out of it, streaming the hell out of it. You won't be able to get me to shut the hell up about it, essentially. 
I'll, I'll re- no, you'll also have to talk about Destiny 2. It'll be dangerous oh, to get well, you to yeah. switch off of those subjects. Well, I mean, by the time that comes out, we'll probably be in like a lull for Destiny 2 before more content comes out. Mm, true enough. So you're saying that it's perfect for you. Exactly. Oh, no, exactly. The, ti- the timing on that could not be better. <laughs> like, if it was coming out this fall, I would be, like, panicked. <laughs> kind of dead to the world. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I am super pumped for that. I am going to buy... I'm, I am going to buy it on X-Bone and PS4, by the way. That's... What? Christ, why? <laughs> why the hell not? Play it with... <laughs> to play because... with whoever the hell wants to play it. <laughs> because money is an... Money is no object you, when it comes to Monster you, Hunter. Yeah, I guess for you, money is no object. Jesus. Oh, it certainly is, but yeah. Not not for Monster Hunter. No. I mean, it'll probably be uh, PS4 to start with. Naturally. But we'll see. <coughs> we shall see. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I've also been trying to finish, finally, Uncharted 4. What about Undertale? Uncharted Uncharted 4. Yes, I'm also playing no, no, Undertale. Uh, but, yeah, I'm trying to finish, finally finish Uncharted 4, which I loved. It just, you know, it came out and all kinds of things came out. This happens to me with a lot of games. And then Zelda, so. Yeah. Well, Zelda, Zelda eats everything's lunch. Yeah, and eventually, obviously, I'll have to get back to Horizon. But yeah, Zelda ate everything's lunch. And PS4 <laughs> is very busy. Let's see, oh, I've been, I've actually been playing a PS4 game myself that I set aside despite loving. Which one is you got, that? You got any guesses? Maybe. Um, Final Fantasy 15. No, no. That's that's something I feel like I need to wait until I have a replacement TV because I just like whenever whenever like my I'm, I'm having to use remote play or the the goggles. The goggles it, of doom. The goggles are fun. <coughs> but don't stand up to long play sessions. It tends to hurt the neck after a while. Yeah. And the remote play every time the like the connection poops and it just sort of. Uh, like it, like turns into a degenerate. Like what you expect when you see streaming video that is degenerating in quality. It looks like it's buffering and yeah. everything turns undetailed and blocky, and it makes me sad when that happens to FF15 because I love that game's art direction. Minor no. side, but I think you need to play Dot uh, Hack GU with the goggles. <laughs> it just, just seems no, fitting. No, that's me role playing, dude. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> This time, this time I am the terrible nerd. Um, <coughs> what is, it? is it uh Yakuza Zero, or have you already finished it? Yeah, Yakuza Zero. Ryuga Gotoku Zero. What was that game's subtitle in Japan? Most of them have subtitles in Japan, as I recall. The only one that has a subtitle in the U.S. is Six, the forthcoming Yakuza Six: Song of Life. Uh, let me see if I can find out what if Zero had a subtitle in Japanese. Uh, it was... Nope, it seems to have just been Ryugagotoku Zero. Hmm. Although, in Japan, they got a special companion app, Ryugagotoku Zero, free-to-play application for PlayStation Vita. Hmm. 
You'll never guess what it was for. I don't know. But, uh... That game's really good. Like, it's really fun and really good at being nostalgic, but also cutting about 80s nostalgia and... But, like, an 80s nostalgia that we don't have as much of a window for because it's also about how the Japanese economy was booming at a very specific point in the late 80s. And so the entire game is sort of built around the idea that everyone has too much money. Just everyone. <laughs> like, when you punch a dude, money just comes flying out of him. It's really good. Uh, That's quite good. But it's also the first time in the franchise that uh, the first time in the like canonical franchise, the non-canonical Dead Souls also featured this character as playable, but the first time that canonically Goro Majima is playable, and Goro Majima is like the the superstar like secondary character of the franchise, super great, uh, and is of course a riot in this game. One of his one of his attack styles is breakdancing. Um, <laughs> And he looks amazing in uh, Yakuza Kiwami. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, as of this recording, yeah. Yakuza Kiwami comes out. I'm, I'm. There is a part of me that isn't quite sure if I'm happy or sad that they did not localize the word Kiwami. Which <laughs> the most obvious way to localize would be extreme. <laughs> Yakuza extreme. But wasn't uh, there? Wasn't there a Tweakadin Kiwami? There was a Tokiden Kiwami. Okay, so well now now that all makes sense. Because <laughs> I always wondered... Tokiden what... Extreme! Yeah, too bad they came blows. That's <clears throat> uh, like Tokiden 1, not Tokiden 2. Eh. Yeah, okay, to Tokiden 2 is blech. But, uh... Yeah, Yakuza is amazing. Zero and Kiwami are fun because they form kind of a loose duology. Uh, like, there's save data transfer, they use a lot of the same oh, systems. Nice. <coughs> like, they're, they... And Kiwami is a very... Like, Zero or Kiwami are both very good jumping on points, because, like, Zero has a lot of references to later games, but, like, its plot obviously isn't really designed to require you to already know later games. Right. So it's a very good jumping on point. And, of course, Kiwami <laughs> is a remake of one, so... There, yep. <coughs> and it's also 30 bucks, so... Yeah, it's 30 bucks. It's a great jumping on point. It'll fix the real pro like the biggest problems with uh Yakuza 1 are the things that Kiwami fixes, which is one that there were certain story beats that like seemed sort of arbitrary and out of nowhere they've kind of massaged them. Some of the added story content kind of makes them fit a little better. And uh the other thing was that the combat in Yakuza 1 is just not very good. Like so Yakuza 1 has this peculiar issue where you... where Cosma's moves don't really track enemies very much. And they're generally sort of pinpoint in what areas they affect. So what you'll often... And they don't have enough hit stun. So what often happens is you'll hit an enemy and, like, it'll... They'll be temporarily stunned but not long enough to keep them in the combo. They'll move out of the combo's way... Cosmo's still committed to that attack, and he can't change the direction the attack is moving in. So he just sort of, like, becomes a giant target while they hit you in the back of the head. <laughs> so Kiwami will fix that, which is the biggest problem of Yakuza 1. Excellent. And 
just just a wonderful game. Plus, I mean, some of the like even if you've played Yakuza One before, the Majima Everywhere system really should be enough for anyone. It just looks hilarious. Like I've already seen so many gifts of him just showing up as something really strange. If if I wasn't already sold on the game just from my time with Zero, uh, that would have sold it on me. And then, uh, like, this was actually a big week for Yakuza, like a really big week. So, in Japan, there was an event where they decided to announce some Yakuza games. Who boy! They, uh, they went places. <laughs> so the most, the most obvious announcement was Yakuza Kiwami 2. Not Yakuza 2 Kiwami, Yakuza Kiwami 2. Uh... <laughs> It's a uh, it's it is a remake of two though like, but uh, it, it seems to be giving two the Kiwami treatment. Two didn't really need it as much. Like two is a really good game. Like two is easily in contention for best in the series still to this day. And the the idea of it getting the spit polish to look and play in a more modern fashion is absolutely wonderful. Fantastic game, completely in, like. As, as insane as any of the games in the series, like, great dumb crime drama, great uh, dumb side quests, great insanity. But they've also added the ability to play as Majima for a new side story. So, like, again, there is nothing to, there is nothing to lose from adding more Majima to a Yakuza game. Mm-hmm. And let's see. So that was the least surprising announcement they had. Then they also announced a. Uh, they announced the essentially the Shin Ryuga Gotoku uh, initiative. So for those like myself who have not yet played Yakuza Six, the only thing we really know about it, aside from like a basic idea that it's a new Yakuza game and it primarily stars Kazuma, is that it is it's supposed to be the last game starring series perennial protagonist uh, Kazuma Kiryu. Hmm. Like, he's been trying to get out of the Yakuza game for, like, a decade at this point, so the man deserves some rest. He starts Yakuza 1 at about 35 years old, like, he's... <laughs> and by Yakuza 6, he's probably at least 50, probably a little older. So, like, it's it's been a while, like, it, it makes sense to let him retire. But the in order to introduce the Shinryu Gagotsuku initiative, they had a teaser trailer that revealed that they were doing a mobile-slash-online, like, like some sort of free-to-play online mobile-slash-PC game. Uh, you know, not really my thing, but I might... If it, I'm such a mark for Yakuza, I might play it anyway. <laughs> you, the know, other you, thing, you know you will. Yeah, yeah. But in order to... In order to really show that this is going to be a new Yakuza that's going to be a fresh start for the series, they also decided that they were going to introduce the new protagonist that will be the Yakuza protagonist going forward. Hmm. And so there is a little teaser trailer for our new protagonist, one Kasuga Ichiban, which, if you know anything about Japanese, is a name with some meaning. Uh, Ichiban is just, like, number one. Like, great, fantastic. <laughs> but, like, I, I was talking to my brother. He spent some years in Japan. Apparently, like, that na- like that's not an unheard of name, although he considered it to be something he saw more with older people. Uh, but, yeah, there's a trailer for Kasuga Ichiban. He's, he's kind of interesting. Like, they've clearly decided that they want him to contrast with Kiryu. 
Kiryu is very cold and reserved, and the very first thing we see of Ichiban is that he's a little more loose, a little more laid back. Uh, he's His outfit is great because it's a literal color inversion of Kiryu's. <laughs> like, Kiryu has a white suit with a red, sort of like, a, a dark red... Uh, with a with a dark red like uh, button up shirt underneath. Kasuga has a bright red suit <laughs> and a white <laughs> shirt underneath. Nice. But uh, I like his design. He seems like I'm interested. I like where this is going. I tend to like I tend to be very optimistic when ca- when game series decide to come up with new characters. I've seen a lot of like I've I've played a lot of games where people get really angry every time the main character changes. Let, t- ask me about how the Ace Attorney fandom was ten years ago. Uh, <laughs> well, I think but, uh, at this point they've probably earned some trust, given yeah, how good like, the series has been lately. I I can't think of a bad Yakuza game other than Yakuza One and maybe Dead Souls. And part of Dead my opinion on Dead Souls is colored by the fact that for a while it looked like it had killed the franchise in the West. But uh, on its own merits, it's a janky game, but it's not terrible. But uh, so yeah, like I, I trust that like this new character, they will have interesting stories to tell with them. They there's I remember when I was talking to people, there was I saw some people that were like, "Why is this guy middle aged? Wasn't the point to get a younger protagonist?" But I think that like Kasuga Ishiban's probably at least a decade younger than Kiryu at this point. But I think more importantly, like. It, to some extent, I think part of the appeal of Yakuza at this point is that it actually stars adults. Yeah. Like, it was it was surreal to play Yakuza 0 and see Majima and Kiryu being that young. Like, that seems weird. And so it, it you know, like... But, like, it's not just that it's weird, but it's also just that, like... That was fun. We wanted to see... It was interesting to see what they were like when they were, you know, just kids, so to speak. Right. But, you know, now now we're at, uh, you know... But, like, in normal course, like, you kind of... You know, the series is defined by being about people that are at or nearing middle age, middle age, if not older. And so I think that it was a calculated decision that Ichiban would be younger, but not young. <laughs> but, uh... And, of course... There was one other game since since the Shin since any game any console game that uh, Ichiban's going to star in isn't going to show up until at least uh, twenty nineteen I would think uh, they did have one announcement so Kiwami two in Japan comes out in a couple months it comes out in December oh wow like they were they they held on to that one for a long time oh I should also point out. Kiwami 2 actually runs on the Yakuza 6 engine, which isn't surprising given it's come out after Yakuza 6, but still. Uh, that means that uh, all of the improvements added to Yakuza 6 are going to be reflected in it rather than it being strictly like Zero and Kiwami. Nice. But uh, the the last game that they announced after... So they did this kind of amusing two-pronged announcement where there were two teaser trailers that flowed one from the other. So, to introduce Ichiban, they did this thing where, like, Ichiban, uh, where uh, Kazuma is trying to leave Kamurocho to sort of show that he's leaving the franchise. And someone tries to stab him. Ichiban runs into the scene, punches the dude so far he, so hard he falls back, like, five feet. Uh, introduces himself, and, like, you know, he gets sort of a nod of respect from Kiryu, and then he sort of, you know, wanders off. 
sort of showing that, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay to pass the torch to this guy. Uh, in but after that, there's a second teaser trailer. The guy who Ichiban punched gets back up and tries to run and attack Kiryu again. And Kiryu just sort of pokes him in the forehead. <laughs> and if you know anything about a certain very uh, influential and popular of the 80s uh, shonen anime slash manga, the, the next words out of Kiryu's mouth are kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> because... Like, he pokes the guy, the guy sort of angles back, like, he sort of steps back for a second, it swaps over, it, it, the camera pans over to Kiryu, and he just says, Omae wa mo shindeiru, which, uh, it's the most iconic phrase from, uh, Fist of the North Star, which is a manga from, uh, it was, it was done by two guys who, it was very influential, very popular in the 80s. Uh, if you've ever seen the first part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and looked at its art, it's obvious that uh, Hirohiko Araki is trying to draw like the artist from Fist of the North Star. <laughs> but uh, Omae wa mo Shindeiru means you're already dead. Uh, <laughs> and Fist of the North Star's conceit was that it's about a martial artist who can punch people or poke people in pressure points, which causes them to explode. It then hands the camera back to the guy he poked in the head, the guy's dressed like a Fist of the North Star villain, and explodes. And then it, <laughs> it, it pans out to Kiryu, and he suddenly is the protagonist of Fist of the North Star, Kenshiro. And that was their way of announcing that they're making Fist of the North Star Yakuza. That's a pretty cool way to announce it. Yeah, and then they did a gameplay trailer, and it looked so good. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like... like I'm going to gush here because I'm a huge fan of Fist of the North Star and I'm a huge fan of Yakuza. So this this game is targeted at me. <laughs> <laughs> Target audience, me. So so one thing I'd like to say is Fist of the North Star has basically never had a good video game. <laughs> like, there were two Musou games just, uh, released here as Fist of the North Star, Ken's Rage 1 and 2. They're both awful. They're really bad. So, like, the thing about Fist of the North Star is that when Kenshiro punches a dude, the fight's already over for the most part. Unless it's a boss, they're dead. Like, they're about to explode and it's all over for the crying. And everyone in Fist of the North Star Ken's Rage takes, like, 15 million hits to kill. It's <laughs> terrible. It takes forever. It's not fun. It doesn't feel reflective of the license. It's just bad. It's a very... It's an obviously low-budget Musou game. This game, even just in the trailers, you can see bits where Kenshiro punches a dude, like, twice, and then just moves on to, like, the 500 other dudes around him, and you can already see, before he's even hit the next guy, that that guy's exploded. Uh, but it also has, like, tons of stupid Yakuza touches. There's, like, uh, there's a bartending minigame for some reason? The batting cages from, like, the, the sorts of minigames that you see in Yakuza, like batting cages, seem to have been replaced with things like there's a bit where you see Kenshiro being menaced by, like, a guy on a motorcycle who's, like, uh, riding directly at him, and he just swings an I-beam at him and knocks him into the into space. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so good. Like, it's so loyal to the look and feel of Fist of the North Star. It has everything I like about Yakuza. I am... And Sega has already teased that they intend to localize it. 
because they just immediately after the Ryuga Gotoku event in Japan, they put up an English survey on their English website asking two questions. Did you already see the Ryuga Gotoku event? And would you, uh, how much would you be willing to, like, how hyped are you? How willing are you to buy Yakuza Kiwami 2, a Fist of the North Star Yakuza game, and the Yakuza, like, uh, online slash mobile game? Which implies they're already interested in localizing all three of them. If you told me to that, if you had told me any part of that three years ago, I would have spat in your face for lying to me. Because, like, <laughs> before they before they localized Yakuza 5, I was convinced they would never localize a Yakuza game again. <laughs> and now, we have Kiwami that comes out tomorrow. We have Yakuza 6, which comes out in March. Guess what? I've already got it pre-ordered. I'm not ashamed. And, like, reason to believe that <laughs> there are four Yakuza games that are not yet out here that I have reason to believe will come out here. I'm so happy. Oh, sorry, I needed to rant about that. I'm so happy. No, it's okay. Uh, but Yakuza 0 is really, really good. Uh, it also has uh, possibly the worst, stupidest pun I've ever seen. Uh, this this one uh, floated around the internet a lot right after the game's release, uh, which was a a line that Majima gets in one of his sub stories, uh, which is, "Wanna avoid dangerous cults? Just practice safe sex." <laughs> so, uh, so the worst pun. It that is glorious. And, like, when when he gets a dead-eyed stare in response, his internal monologue is, Come on, I'm dying at that one. I'm blinking back the tears here. <laughs> it's so good. I love Yakuza games so much. If I have persuaded even a single person listening that the Yakuza games are worth their time... Hey, hey, ask me some Yakuza questions. If you aren't persuaded yet, please ask me. I would love to talk about them some more. Please, please send him some Yakuza questions. Wheels can tell that I will die if I'm not allowed to talk about that's it. That's true. More. Oh, that's so good. Uh, for the first time in years, it feels like it's a good time to be a Yakuza fan. Yeah. Well, I will have a, I will have a celebratory drink in the uh, shot glasses that come with with the Yakuza Six After Hours Edition. Is that really one of the things it comes with? Let me pull up what the After Hours Edition comes with. Meanwhile, you tell me your relationship with the franchise. <laughs> um, don't really have any other than playing through Yakuza 0, but that's good enough. And me that, yelling at you. <laughs> yeah, but it was good enough that you know I purchased the rest of the franchise on cheap, except for 5. So, uh... Yeah, it comes with a hardcover art book, two bar glasses, two ice stones, and two coasters. It's perfect for having a celebratory drink. Excuse me, I have to make a Amazon.com purchase. Totally unrelated. Very, very definitely unrelated. Mm-hmm. Buy new, only eighty-nine ninety-nine. 
No, no, sir. Seventy six fifty six with your prime discount. Nice. I think my copy of Kiwami is shipped. I think. I, I'm going to be at PAX from like Wednesday on because I'm getting there a little early. So I'm not. I didn't bother springing for like nicer shipping because I wasn't going to have much time to play it anyway. Yeah. Plus, I got to <laughs> finish. Uh, I got to finish Zero before I jump into Kiwami. Yeah, me too. Obviously, but I was not going to miss out on a nice steel book. Yeah, no, the, like, when I saw that there was a steelbook, and it was the same price as the regular, yeah. it was just like, why would I, why would I not? Seriously. Plus, again, $30 is a really, is a steal of a price. It's them, one, understanding that they have, that, like, Zero got them more attention for the franchise than they've ever had before, and that this is the time to try to lure people in with a, like, with a cheaper one that people feel like they can jump on with. Here's a remake of one. It's cheaper than usual. Perfect. <laughs> it is the ideal jumping on point if you haven't got if you haven't played one. <sighs> we may never get a Yakuza Kenzan Kiwami or a Yakuza Ishin Kiwami, but hey, it's sad that we'll never get Yakuza but Samurai, but I think we're in a good place with the franchise for once. Yep, like I said, a good place in, with Sega in general. Right now. Yeah, it's weird that they seem to be trying to rebuild themselves. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, one thing that I was going to say, just as uh, far as weird, Sega seems to be like the only company that still uses nothing but proprietary engines. Yeah. Different proprietary engines per franchise. Yakuza gets its own. Every few Yakuza games, they redo the engine and they like they'll do a couple games on that engine and they'll start over. Like. Uh, I want to say five zero and Kiwami all use the same engine, and then like six Kiwami two and Hokuto Gagotoku definitely all use the same engine. The current one, the current iteration as of six is the Dragon engine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it seems like they have their own engine for the 3D Sonic games. Yeah, like the the 3D Sonic games definitely use their own engines. It's, it's very strange just to think about. Like they don't use out-of-house engines at all. Well, it seems to work out fine for them, so... Nah, I mean... Like, as much as anything works out fine for Sega. Yeah. I'm sure eventually my Yakuza fandom will reach such a point that I actually watch the, like, the Ryugagotoku movie, <laughs> which was directed by Takashi Miike, who has directed a lot of strange things, and it's not even his only, uh video game movie he's directed. <laughs> You'll never guess what other uh, video game movie he directed. Hmm. Something Resident Evil related? Nope. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Ah, uh, okay. It's a really strange adaptation. About as good as a live adaptation of Ace Attorney could be. Like, live action doesn't make any sense as an Ace Attorney adaptation. But based on the fact that live action was what you were going to go with, it's about as good of one as you could hope for. But how loud does someone yell objection? It happens a fair few times. That's all I'd want to see. And then I'd probably turn it off. <laughs> It's a solid enough flick. It's not amazing, but it's like it's not a bad movie, which is shocking for a video game movie. <laughs> well, we've had a Never few good seen... ones. On name them. Mortal Kombat, the first one. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, the first one, is watchable, yes. 
uh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time. Watchable. Uh, <coughs> the Warcraft movie, if you're a Warcraft fan only. Yeah, but I can't actually put myself in the shoes of a Warcraft fan. Like, that lore does nothing for me. <laughs> um, let me think what else. Uh, Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, passable. Yeah, it's good, and on that note, I don't really see what a lot of people complain about with that. It's not perfect, but it's fun. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. Uh, let me think what else. That's about all I got. It's a pretty short list. Yeah. But yeah. I've I've talked enough about Yakuza for one podcast, but perhaps not enough for two if someone wants to ask. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Also, seek out that, uh, maybe, you know, if you're a friend of the podcast, seek out that uh, survey and tell them that you would buy Kiwami 2 and Hokuto Kagotoku. Yeah. You know, because you, you would, would right? Right. I mean, who wouldn't? Glaring, Everything about it is great. Glaring at you in your, with my glasses down, listeners. <laughs> listen, listen. We all want good things to come to America, so, you know. It's, just, it's really simple here. Simple math. Yes, buy all Yakuza and Monster Hunter releases. And also Dragon Quest. Yeah. Pick up that Dragon Quest Eleven when it comes to America. Also so, Saga. You know. But we'll never get We're another not going to get a chance yeah, to Yeah, we're this. never going to get another one of those, so don't worry about that one. But, I mean, if Saga Scarlet Grace does come to America, like... You are not you are not granted clemency unless you put your money down. Mm-hmm. This is gonna sound like this entire second half of the podcast is just gonna sound like I got like sent five hundred thousand dollars from Sega to just rapturize to preach at the altar. This episode brought to you by Yakuza Kawami, now available from your video game retailer. Retailer of choice. Yes. A act, wonderful game. <laughs> act now to get a shiny steelbook. Yeah. Who doesn't like steel video game cases? Mm. Terrible people. I have occasionally run into issues where like, they don't like to let go of discs. Yeah, that's the biggest issue with them. But they look really handsome on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the big one for me was Final Fantasy XII, which was the biggest pain in the butt. I, I don't mean the current version, by the way. I mean the original. The, yeah, one. the yeah. that was one of the first steel books I remember seeing. Yeah, me too. But yeah, that one that one didn't want to let go. I remember Mass Effect Two. That's the one that was multiple discs. Yes, Mass Effect Two had issues with that as well. Yeah. The steel book on that was it was like the first time I was pulling them out. I was like, I was really nervous and just thinking, if I do this wrong, I'm gonna break this. Yeah. Think, my life will not be good. <laughs> but more recent ones have been good. Like Dark Souls 3 was good, even though I didn't really want to play that piece of shit. What? <laughs> you don't like Dark Souls 3, buddy? No, I don't like Dark Souls 3. Man, get the hell out. <laughs> Mages are terrible, therefore the game is terrible. Mages need to get the hell out. 
No way, man. Mages are where it's at. If you start shouting Wizbiz again, I'm going to kill someone. Wizbiz. Forgot all about that. I hate the thing that I've done. <laughs> I hate the choices I've made with my life. Now I'm going to have to insert some uh, Magic Man clips in here. <laughs> what have I done? Magic Man! Choices were made. Man, that reminds me. I, I am way behind on Adventure Time. Well, I guess you can you can do some adventuring before the series ends. Do, does it have an end date? I believe it's implied to be like through a certain number of seasons. Yeah. Adventure Time and they do have the movie coming up at some point, eventually. Let's see. Uh, they say the series is supposed to end in 2018. Oh. Well, it had a good run. Yeah. But that's unacceptable! Listen, you should be happy that it's going to die before it becomes a hideous shadow of itself. Like certain cartoons starring um, yellow-colored characters with four fingers? Yes. yes. Mm. Let's see. And The Freaking Simpsons is, like, set to continue for... Several more seasons at least, right? Yeah, it's terrifying. Like, God. at this point, it's done just to run up the score so that nothing breaks its record. Ugh. Let's see. Let's see. How far in advance is The Simpsons renewed? It's renewed at least through season 30. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Please kill me. Can, can you just cancel one of those seasons and give me some more Futurama? Is that a possibility? No. Matt Groening's working on a fantasy series now, anyway. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, that could be... That could be good. It has some of the classic Simpsons writers back on, like Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein are returning. And I think that, um... And some Futurama writers as well, as I recall. Didn't that, didn't that have some, uh, some of the Futurama voice cast, too? Uh, I believe so, yes. What's his name? My brain is failing me. Bender. Uh, John DiMaggio. Yes, John DiMaggio. Let me see if I can find... Uh, if I can remember what the series is named. We are talking about things that are completely unrelated. Uh, nah, it's all related. Adventure Time is basically an RPG as a show, so... Kinda. Okay, it's, it's called Disenchantment. It's scheduled to begin streaming in Netflix in 2018. Uh... Let's see. See, Rough Draft, who's the studio that did the art for Futurama, will be animating. Excellent. Fantasy version of Futurama, same absurd sense of humor. Let's see. This is sounding like Wheels the Show. I like this. Yep. Currently planned for 10 episodes in, on Netflix next year. Alright, well, that's a good start. Disenchanted, if I can get... Disenchantment, if I can figure out more about this. But yeah, so this looks... Uh, this, that'll be fun. Yeah. And more. that'll be vaguely... We'll call that vaguely RPG-ish yeah. enough. It's fantasy. 
Well, hey, as far as shows that are out now, and I don't care if it's an RPG or not, uh, DuckTales, watch the new DuckTales. You can get it for free on Amazon to download and own. So I would certainly recommend people check it out while it's in, available in that form. It's also on YouTube. So they de- yeah. they're definitely... There's no excuse, really. Yeah, they're def- obviously trying to use that to promote the show, and it should be should be pretty easy because the show is awesome. It has a David Tennant. Uh, you may know as Doctor Who, Doctor Who, or Killjoy, or Killgrave. Killgrave. Killjoy. What the hell am I thinking? Oh, he did uh, kill a lot of joy. Yes, uh. Killgrave from Jessica Jones. He is the voice of Scrooge McDuck and does a fantastic job. There's a part of me that was still just happy to like. Any time I see a uh, former Community cast member, I get a little happy, and the the one that voices Huey of the nephews is uh, was Abed on Community. Oh, nice. Not sure if you ever watched that show. Good show. Uh, a little bit of it. It's certainly entertaining. Uh, I was going to say that they've done a really good job in making the the nephews more individual and unique instead of just uh, triplets. Three extensions of childhood irritation. Exactly. <laughs> and also they've redone the character of Webby, so she's really cool. So. Yeah, she suddenly became has a personality that isn't the girl. Yeah. Which is nice. I would like to see a game. I could see an RPG based off that version, that iteration. It feels more adventurous. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you can. There's DuckTales Remastered and that Disney Afternoon Collection where you can get uh, the original version Classic. of DuckTales one too. So, but yeah, I would love another a new DuckTales game, especially an RPG because it would fit it so perfectly. You have enough so characters you've got an to make an entire party already. Yeah. Uh, there's dungeons. And an airship. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yes, please. Do it. Listen, you can't hold out on me too much, Disney. I know that you have got you want your finger in that video game pie all the time. <laughs> but that's enough. This was supposed to be short. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, it, short-ish. Anyway, let's... It was shorter than usual. Yes. <laughs> But let's wrap this up before we start talking about uh, Tailspin or something. About what? Tailspin. Oh. I didn't or, like Tailspin as a kid. I could see this creative team making a good Tailspin, but I didn't actually like Tailspin that much. Well, I like. I thought it was funny they... They, they referenced it. Uh, did they? Kind of. I, know that they I feel re- like they referenced the town that it took place in. They referenced the towns of Goof Troop and Darkwing Duck. Yeah, I remember St. Canard being mentioned. I don't remember what the... I think the town in Goof Troop is named something weird, like Spoonerville, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, Why do I know all this? What the hell? <laughs> it's our childhood. But yeah, I think there was a reference to Tailspin somewhere in there, too. But Yeah. They're probably leaving themselves open to like, bring some of those characters in. Yeah. Get, get excited when they actually just bring in the characters from Gummy Bears. Oh, God. Dancing here and there and everywhere. They that's beyond compare. They're the Gummy Bears. Oh. <laughs> bring back Greg Weissman. Have him do another ver- Have him do another attempt at Gargoyles. Oh, God. I love me some Gargoyles. Yep. All right, let's let's just end this now before this becomes the cartoon podcast. Yes. <coughs>
<laughs> so yes, uh, get your questions in, especially Yakuza questions, and we will see you next time, probably about a month after the release of Destiny 2, because I will I be will try to make engaged. it smaller than that, but I don't trust my odds. Yes, uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> anyway, we will see you next time. See you, Space Cowboy. A thousand throngs ever since Donkey Kong Seething down 